good evening, everyone. Um, welcome to Bethel Radio Hour on a cold, rainy November night. Um, oh, my goodness. The, Need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> the brave people that came out tonight. Thank you. Um, so we are continuing on in our normal format of discussing three different topics over the hour. Um, we have been starting a series following the life of Paul um, and his missionary journeys. So we're still in Acts chapter 9. If you want to join us, we'll be in verse 26. Um, so we're going to read from that to start. Um, and this is uh, following Saul. Last week we discussed um, had to escape for his life because of the plot to kill him. So now he's on to Jerusalem. So this is Acts chapter 9, picking up in verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenist, and they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And then walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So, Ben, yes. what's going on here? So this is really the second time that this theme of, oh my goodness, the killer, Saul, is trying to infiltrate, he's, he's going undercover, you know, is, is some of these people's thought, you know. Um, and so the first time, of course, was when Ananias had to deal with it and, and bring himself to, you know, you remember, Lord, who, who this is. And, and, of course, the Lord stays with Ananias and says, I, I know who he is. I have called him to me. I've got a mission for him, and I need you to do what I need you to do. And Ananias was an obedient servant, uh, which in the light of what he was doing is, is remarkable uh, that Ananias basically took his life in his own hands, which he was ultimately trusting in God, and everything worked out. Well, so now we've got a, a new set of people, if you will, um, and, and they're going through the same thing Ananias did. Uh, and so what I thought we might do is just talk about, uh, we sent these discussion questions out, what are the dynamics of a frayed relationship? Because even though these people didn't, quote-unquote, have a relationship with Saul before he became Paul and before his conversion, in the sense that you and I would think of a relationship, they did have a relationship with him in the sense that he was threatening them, trying to kill them and bring them into jail, basically. And uh, they learned and believed that he was enemy number one. And so in that respect, they had a relationship. And so now they're hearing of his, in quotations, conversion. And they've heard the story about Ananias. They've heard the story about, you know, just a few verses before what he went through at Damascus. And that some people had accepted him in so much so that they saved his life from the Hellenistic Jews trying to kill him. And so they're trying to weigh all this and, and they're trying to work it through. So what I thought we would do is uh, come at it from both standpoints is that I'm asking the panel, uh, you know, what are the dynamics of a frayed relationship? You have the offender's viewpoint of wanting to reconcile, so that's Paul. He's like, come on, guys, I'm, I'm safe, I promise, you know. And then you have the offended viewpoint of, he's trying to eat me, you know, uh, Pumbaa from 
uh, the lion came. And so uh, I, I think that, that all of us have probably either been in that position or we've seen people have to go through that. My, what I shared with Tara was I've seen this in, in relationships where either party, the husband or the wife, does something that damages the relationship, and inevitably the offender, once they confess to God and confess to the spouse, they're done with it. It's over. I'm good. Let's move on. Whereas the offended is sitting there going, uh, <laughs> no. You know, uh, they, because in many cases, they, they just became aware that I've been betrayed. And, and even though we all can imagine what that betrayal might be like in a marriage, can you imagine what the betrayal is when someone's trying to kill you, you know, type thing? And now all of a sudden everything's, you know, let's make nice. So t talk to me on that. You talk about the cognitive dissonance of a Christian in, Ju in Jerusalem having command to love thy neighbor as thyself and having just suffered through the loss of Stephen mm -hmm. at, at the hands of Paul, right. uh, his attendance. And now, we gotta, now we got to love the guy? Right. we, we got to accept the guy into Some our Some of lives. them may have been in that crowd and watched Stephen be stoned to How death. How do we know he's not getting identification? That's of, right. Of, we of don't. Us. Yeah, so the huge... How do we know our leaders aren't being, you know... Bought out. Ballyhooed. Right. Yeah. Oh, Lord help, yeah. Paid off. Uh, so, yeah, the the conflict that's going on in the minds of these guys and and on that side and on the other side paul's a man without a country he can't go back to no. the Pharisees, yeah and he's still knocking on the door outside of the christian community right. um so yeah there's a lot of tension there and only way through that is trusting god to do what he tells you to do on on both sides yeah. uh, paul's got to trust and the people's got to trust ryan you got anything Pretty much the only way he could overcome his previous reputation, I think, is uh, just going against the grain, going counterculture, because right. it's very attractive to, to see. I was thinking, you know, how, how what convinced them that he is, you know, really the real deal? Yeah. And to me, going against what everyone else says, that's right. it's it's convincing. Right. And he did. Uh, he did. He, he I mean, th there couldn't have been a more 180, you know. Um, it, it would be like Nancy Pelosi becoming pro-life. Huge. Huge. Mm. And sponsoring a bill in the House. That's what it would be like. I, I mean, Don Lemon and Joy Reid would collectively pass out. <laughs> Have <laughs> or, litter kittens. Litter <laughs> A hissy, which is a German baby. That's right. Um, and, and the such, and which I would be thrilled to watch and to see. Uh, but but that, that really is what the equivalent would be. And, and so these um, folks that themselves were Judaizers before Christ, and now they're Christians, and so they know what the change is like, and they're seeing this man that was a zealot for Judaism has turned on a dime, and now he's preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. Um, so I just see trust issues all over this um, <laughs> because that's the that's really what is at hand is Absolutely. they have to have some kind of trust that um, saw is on our side, that he is for us. He is not against us, that we're we're all on the same team now. Um, but trust is tricky business. It like, is. And 
um, once trust is broken, and you gave the example of a relationship, and uh, boy, don't I know uh, firsthand that, you know, it takes, once trust is lost, it's, it's not easily regained. And we're talking about watching somebody that killed other Christians right. as, you know, as his uh, marching point was, let's just kill them all as many as we can. Right. Um, so there, I, <laughs> I wish I had all the answers of how you restore um, trust in someone, but he's doing all the right things in that he's being consistent. And he's um, showing up, and he keeps doing what he says he's going to do, and he keeps, um, he's not wavering from it. He's not changing his story. He is continuing to, it says, and he's preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, Um, and he is disputing with the Hellenists so much for that here we are again, um, you know, same story as before. Well, let's kill him because he's obviously on Team Jesus, and we can't have that. Um, So I think he was just being consistent. And if we're taking that back to the comparison of in our own relationships, um, and maybe we haven't done things on this grand of a scale, um, maybe we haven't betrayed a spouse, maybe we're not in this example of Saul, he was killing Christians and right. now he wants to be on their um, team and they don't want him to be on his team, they don't trust him. But we've all, if we're being honest, betrayed on some level, whether it was trust and the, something we said or something we did and we didn't mean to, or maybe we did mean to. Either way, we're all guilty of doing something that needs reconciliation. We either need to, we're in the process always of needing to be forgiven and probably needing to forgive someone else. Um, So trust is a big part of that, but you have to continue in the process of trying to reconcile. I think guttural honesty works too. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that there were some fireside talks with, Paul and some of these folks that were scared to death, and and he looks them in the eye, hopefully with tears in his eyes, saying, "I I was there. I do. I, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. I gave the authority for Stephen to be stoned. And you know who, who knows what he would say after that. But if it were me, and if there was anything in my life that I could take back, that's I'd start there. You know, and, and I." you are going to have to work through this because I don't know what else to do or say than to tell you that if I could trade places with him, I would. And, of course, at that point, Paul has no idea he's going to go through that a couple times. <laughs> he's, he's stoned and left for dead at least twice, if my memory serves me. Uh, now, another thing that, that comes to mind before we move to verse 27, if, I could, if my memory will serve me, um, you, you use that key word, consistent. And that is the advice I give. And, of course, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind are the, the husbands that I have helped and worked with. Whatever level of betrayal that there has been in a relationship, I tell them, you are relieved because you have owned it, you have confessed it, and you are done with it. You've dropped it like a hot potato, and you're moving on. You're relieved. But now your challenge is going to be not understanding why your wife is not ready to just bring you back with open arms. Isn't she supposed to forgive me? You know, well, well, sure she is, but it takes a while. And, and that's what I tell them. You're going to have to toe the line, not for days, not for weeks, for months and years. And, and, and the, the more you pile on the transgressions the longer you're pushing trust out the door type thing and so uh i I, 
Now, whether they've taken that advice or not, I have seen several that have, uh, and then I've seen you know several that haven't. And and Paul, of course, did that. He consist he was consistent, and God blessed. Now, in verse twenty seven, Barnabas comes in and, and saves the day because sometimes there is such a breach that it takes somebody with some clout, if you will, with that trust factor that steps in and says, I'm, I'm vouching for this guy. you know, And, and even though we, we want to applaud Barnabas, I think we ought to stop for a moment and look just what Barnabas did. I mean, he put his character and reputation on the line. If Paul turns his back, you know, Barnabas is done. They're not going to listen to Barnabas again. And or, I, or if one of the Christians goes missing. Or no doubt, right, right. Yeah, like the cat with the feathers sticking out of his mouth. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm sure that Barnabas and the Lord had some pretty serious talks, just like Ananias. But uh says, uh, what does that say, verse 27? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. I think it's interesting, too. Barnabas doesn't go to the people. Barnabas goes to the elders. He, he goes to the leaders, if you will, of the church, to the apostles. And because the church is following the apostles. And so Barnabas, I'm sure, wisely is thinking, if these guys buy in, everybody will follow. And, and that's really what happens. So when it comes to kingdom living, we all have that Garden of Eden moment like Adam had. Are we going to receive this person as God's best for us? So in this case, Barnabas did and he had the influence to recommend him to others. So as far as a discussion question here on 27, uh, obviously an outside influence will save the day here, and certainly we should not pass over the obvious fact that a mediator is very important to these types of problems. But let's answer the question, how and why was Barnabas able to overcome the offense of Saul and recommend him to the disciples? Well, it says he had seen what he had done and that right. he was consistent. Right. Yeah, it, seeing is believing, mm -hmm. you know. And, and what does Jesus say? Blessed are those who don't see and still believe. So you've got that too. Again, I really probably think that Barnabas and God kind of had a come to Jesus moment. But then, but then he... done some investigating too. No you doubt. Know, Barnabas went to, maybe he knew some Pharisees and really just... Maybe he went to the guys that let him down off, off the wall. And those guys for the testimony and then the other side and just listen to see if this was really true, that they right. were trying to kill him. Right. If the plot to kill him was genuine... Uh, would also be another reason that would no fall doubt. in Paul's favor. No doubt. So this may be off the mark, but you know how, again, I kept saying with the gospel, it's like, oh, man, I kind of see the gospel everywhere. Right. Like oh my. the triangles with <laughs> how Gavin sees triangles. All the time. I, I, starting <laughs> to see this, like, gospel where, you know, we need to be reconciled to God. So here there's us, and then Jesus acts as a mediator puts it all on the line Barnabas. to reconcile us to God. That's right. And here you've got Saul, and now here's Barnabas trying to reconcile Saul to these disciples for the sake of the church, and he had to put it all on the line to be the mediator there. And, and there's another theme that, that this is another example of the theme where God often brings someone under the care or under the need of someone they've been abusing. That's a, that's a recurrent theme in Scripture. Joseph and his brothers is the first one that comes to mind. Jesus on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. They ultimately came under the need for Jesus' uh, sacrifice. There, that's a recurring theme, and this is another one where Paul came into the need of the people he was abusing, um, fell into their mercy. So, yeah. And isn't this also uh, 
Barnabas using his gift. Barnabas is an exhorter. He's a cheerleader. Uh, that's what he does for uh, Mark. Was it was Mark? Yeah, mm-hmm. because that later Barnabas and Paul are sent off on a missionary journey. Mark joins them, and of course we'll get to this eventually. But Mark uh, basically leaves. Quits, yeah. yeah, he quits. Well, <laughs> you don't quit on Paul and expect to come back, type thing. Uh, if you quit on Paul, Paul quits on you. He's human. Barnabas, no. And so when the second missionary journey comes around, Barnabas wants Mark to go again, and Paul's like, no way. And, and it was the second or third, I can't remember. We'll, again, we'll get there. But, but the point is, is that Barnabas is an exhorter. Uh, Barnabas is also the one that sells everything that he has and helps the, all the disciples and such of that nature. So this is just Barnabas doing what he does that he's been spiritually gifted to do. But I'm sure that he had to overcome, you know, I'm sure he had his conversation with God too. So 28 and 30, what did Paul do to eventually win them over? And, I, and Ryan has already cut to the chase there. <laughs> he, was, he was consistent. He, he did what, a, what you would expect a preacher of the gospel to do. Uh, when he was with them going in and going out of Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spake and disputed against the Grecian Jews, but they were seeking to kill him. I dare say that after Barnabas, you know, took him to the elders, and the elders said, we're going to have to trust God. We're going to have to trust Scott on this. And, and this guy seems to be the real deal. <laughs> and then as, as Paul started taking the lead, and he started taking it to the same people that he was agreeing with months previous, um, I'm sure it, it just started chattering, you know, because you know how Baptists are, you know. Uh, especially, I mean, unfortunately, we're better at giving bad news than good news. But w- when we're having revival and, and we start seeing some great things, w- we tell people, you know, you will not believe. What? Come listen to this guy. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. He's a real deal. Yeah. He, he is the real deal. Paul's education and his dedication to the law and knowing the, you know, Scripture forwards and backwards, then being converted was just the right guy. Right. Was just the right guy for the, was the apologetic of, of Christianity. Right. So, which apologetics is the defense of the gospel, um, and, and I think that that's absolutely accurate. Uh, so verse 31, what were the results of Paul becoming a part of the early New Testament church and them receiving him? So, so we, we kind of touched on that lightly, but I want to hit on that very quickly. When God brought Eve to Adam, Adam had to receive Eve. And, and at the Oneness Conference, uh, a weekend to remember by the, it'll come to me. Um, Smallies or? Dennis Rainey. What, what's the name of his? Family Life. Family Life. He has retired, but Family Life, of course, is still going. That They push that, that you're never going to have the depth and level of oneness in your relationship as a married couple until you, with everything you have and without any qualifications, receive the spouse that God has given you. Well, the same is true for Christian brothers and sisters. And so they had to receive Paul because God had. Christ had absolutely received Paul, even though he was everything that he was, and so they had to do the same. Well, when they did that, God blessed the church. Now, uh, at verse 31, there's something there that was really important. That last part, uh, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, was multiplied. Uh, most Baptist churches grow by addition. And even though there's nothing quote-unquote wrong with it, it's not biblical. 
churches are supposed to grow by multiplication. And the only way you grow by multiplication is the entire church reaching their sphere of influence. Because as long as one or two are coming a month, that's addition. But when 50 and 60 come a month, that's multiplication. And the first church did that. The first church multiplied. And this is like the third time in Acts that it talks about the church multiplying. You know, they went from 120 to 3,000. They went from 3,000 uh, to like, I think it was 8. And then they went from 8 to somewhere in the neighborhood of 20. Uh, it was unbelievable how many people they were reaching at Jerusalem. Of course, the devil got involved then and scattered the church through persecution, which all that did was like, <laughs> I have experience in this area that if you throw gasoline on fire, it just gets bigger. It just gets bigger. And the devil thought he was stopping it. All he did was just kick a gas can full on fire. And it's, the Bible says that when they fled the persecution, <laughs> they went sharing the gospel with them, basically. And so... Um, a thought I had just in reading that last part was, you know, they say you can't choose your family. And, and truly, you can't, you can't choose your coworkers for the most That's part. Right. And, you, and you can't really choose... Unless you're the boss. Yeah, you can't really choose who are the members of the church you attend. Um, so here, you know, this was not their ideal church member. Here comes Saul, the killer of Christians. And uh, they did have a choice. We can welcome him or reject him. And oh, I yeah. feel like that's true of church bodies. Um, there might be people with a sketch past. And they're like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do church with this person and ministry with this person. Um, and again, Paul proved himself as consistent. But I just think, you know, sometimes can't we be a little petty in a church? Like, yeah, I don't really like that person. They're not my cup of tea, maybe, or right. ah, I'm just that. Uh, and, and really, if we um, just allow to see the consistency in people right. um, and to love people where they are, perhaps, That's right. That's uh, right. how much more effective we find, would be as a church community, address, just right. as a thought, just as a side track there. Um, but it says they had peace and they walked in the fear of the Lord and were comforted and multiplied. Um, could that not still be a formula that it we use today in our churches it. to um, have peace with one another? To and not, I'm not saying we're like a fighting church, but it's no, no. easy enough just to say like, yeah, 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 right. I'm just gonna keep to myself. Or, I don't really like that person as well. I'm, gonna, you know. But if we all just have peace with one another, if we um, comfort each other, um, if we just do life together, right. how things change and how. Um, I feel like things could multiply if that's what we're speaking of. The very, and, and Gavin hit on it a while ago. The very people that you keep at arm's length could be the very people that hold the, the key to a key healing in your own life. There's a, a passage in the scripture that scares me to death that the uh, particular city, it, it was Jesus' city, because there's basically two towns that claim Jesus. Nazareth and Galilee. Correct. And so I think it was Galilee. And when he came as the Messiah, they rejected him. And at the end of the closing there, it says many people were not healed because they kicked the healer out of town. And so the very people that kicked Jesus out of town, their kids and their wives and their husbands and their in-laws uh, in were not healed because they kicked the healer out of town. And so... You know, I think it's very important that we that we absolutely receive. You know, I've said many times, if, if they walk through those doors, we're obligated to love them. And so the reverse is true, too. We're also obligated to go out in the streets and get them. Mm -hmm. And can you love somebody and not trust them? 
Right. This, that, that's been tumbling around my head since we talked about trust issues. The first, these Christians are commanded to love their neighbor as themselves, but they're, do you have to trust someone when you love them? Is it, can you love somebody without trusting them? Answer that. Hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Do you let your five-year-old drive your pickup truck? No. Do you love them? It kind of looks like <laughs> I have. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't trust them with the keys to the car? Well, maybe you could. You with know, I'm so saying I'm, I'm the one yeah. driving it, but it looks like I let a five-year-old drive it. There's right. certainly people in my circle and um, that I am around regularly where I'm not going to trust them completely with every last thought, secret, mm. right. life Right. life event right. but It'd i i am too. very friendly i'm i want to know about their life or do you need anything can i help you with something i want to be a friend and a neighbor to them but i don't have to let them in the inner circle right. of of my yeah. existence I mean, that, that but i am going to show yeah. kindness yeah and love love should be the the common denominator of or the basis of every relationship we have I, that's hard to accept but every relationship we have, the basis of it should be love, God's love. Amen. All right. Uh, oh, that took longer than I thought. Was not watching the clock. We'll make That's this right. a super quick two, kind, two kinds of people in this world. Are you guys burned out on this no, yet? No, I've got one. I've got one, too. It's I like, did it, I'm just saying. I, I did it, I'm just I saying, I forgot too, about so it until yeah. my way in and then thought. <laughs> yeah. it, so. Well, I mean, this time of year, it's almost undeniable to say that there's two types of people in this world, those who hunt and those who do not hunt. Correct. And I'm a do not hunt. Sure. Um, but I'm a very patient, not hunter, like, you know, you go, I've learned to be like a, you hunt because that's important to you. Right. It's important to you that I also don't talk about how I don't hunt. You just, you do your thing. I'll do mine. I'll be, ah. I'll be here ah. Ah. in the warm house while you're up right. in a tree stand getting blown in the cold wind. Frostbite. Not judging. So, so my, my wife turned the tables on me years ago because, uh, I, you know, I was kind of bugging her. Well, why don't you go with me? You know, because I, I wanted her to enjoy <laughs> this process with me and such of that. Because I, oh, I have I, so many stories brewing yeah. now. And so you know what she did? Okay, but if I go, I'm going to have the finest gun and the finest clothes, and Ooh. you're going to have to absolutely wait Damn. on me hand and foot. And I was like, okay, you stay home. That's, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Could have yeah. worked out great for you though, because when, then when she only goes one time, you got a really nice gun. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Yet to try to Strategic. deer hunt because I had such a poor showing uh, gigging frogs <laughs> that he never <laughs> even yeah, was like, easy. let's not even try to get right. you in a tree stand. This is, and I even uh, tried again, like you know, take me, take me frog gigging again. That was bad. I, I didn't the snake part that scared me, and <laughs> it was dark, and the things kept shaking around in the bag, and all I had to do was <laughs> hold the bag, and it's like I can do this. And then about halfway through it, he's like, you know, I just, maybe it's not for you. And I'm like, you know, you're right. I'll just cook what you kill. There That'll you be go. What we do. See, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So I, I just discovered there are two kinds of people. Those that get the, two, there are two kinds of people and those who get the, I'm just saying. So there you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> just came to me right there. So this one's maybe a little lame, but um, we're, we've just come out of garden season. We've just come out of canning season and jams and all that neat stuff. There's two kinds of people, people who like seeds in their food and people who do not. Ooh. Hmm. I love seeds in my food. Not jalapeno seeds, though. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Beach bits. Uh, black, black, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, come there's on. There's a limit, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a limit. Uh, like blackberry jam was where it was always mm. a divider. Mm, you yeah. know, people were like, oh, I don't want the ones with seeds. Hey, yeah, it enhances give me those it. seeds. Yeah. yeah, it does. 
Uh, diverticulitis and those who don't. <laughs> correct. And I did think about that. Diverticulitis, you cannot have seeds, and I'm the sure I'm going the there panel. someday. Uh, amen. And so I have got it, and I'm just saying for, for later, uh, if, if I'd have, speaking of that, Brad, here just a minute, you need to come up with a number between 1 and uh, 20, oh. and we're going to, because we've all got a mystery topic, right? Mystery topic. But that'll be for the third segment. I have a fun way to pick the mystery topic. Oh, okay. I and that's fine, too. I'll surprise you with that in All a minute. Right. All right. Are we good? Yep. Fellas? All right. So on to our next topic. Um, ben and Gavin have been reading a book called The Art of Neighboring, and it has brought us some really good topics, and we're going to continue with one of those tonight. Essentially, how to go from stranger to acquaintance to relationship when it comes to reaching your neighbor. So. And we can probably make up some time on this segment. Uh because it's pretty straightforward. Um, I, as we des- described and explained last time, uh, this comes out of uh, a group of pastors being concerned about their churches not reaching out. Uh, and the mayor of Denver sat down with them and basically said it would just be awesome if we could teach our people how to be better neighbors. If our, if our neighbors would be better neighbors. You know, that way they're taking the people to their doctor's appointments that need to be taken if there's a latchkey kid, there's someone watching over that latchkey kid, so on and so forth. When he walked out, he or she, I can't remember now, when they walked out, the lead pastor that had started this said, is it just me or did he just tell us to practice what we preach? And everybody was in agreement. Yeah, that's pretty much what they said. So out of that became the neighboring initiative. And all, of, well, I say all, the churches that were involved in this agreed that they were going to preach sermon series on neighboring, yada, yada, yada. And I think each church put their own twist on it and such. But this book is a, uh, well, it's, it's a, an explanation of what came out of that, the art of neighboring. So we have on 530 been studying this, uh, and we do hope to continue this study. So once we're done, we'll just basically re-up it for a new group of people to come <laughs> in on 530. If you want to start this in your Sunday school class, we, we would recommend that, so on and so forth. So we are now to uh, the chapters that talk about how to actually get to know your neighbors. And uh, they've got a little formula. From stranger to acquaintance, from acquaintance to relationship. Just that simple. So for most of us, uh, I dare say, because we're pretty typical in America, that depending on the neighborhood that you live in, Uh, And depending on how long you've lived there, you may or may not know your neighbors. So what they recommend is you come up with a, to go from stranger to acquaintance, that you come up with a a block. And and what that is, is that you you put in your block here, so in your mind's eye, see a grid of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine blocks, and your house is in the middle. And so who lives in those houses around you? And so the first exercise was can you even name the names of the people in those houses around you uh and so if you cannot there's your challenge so now you're going to try to go from stranger to acquaintance you're simply going to fill in the names of those people in those houses and you're going to ask god to give you an opportunity and you may have to just go door to door we're trying to learn who our neighbors are we would like to just have contact information in case something, God forbid, comes up. We look over and your house is on fire well, and you're like not it, there. That's an easy enough. It's easy, yeah. <laughs> We're just trying to be better neighbors. 
and we want you to know our contact information. If you wake up at night and see our house on fire, we would appreciate a call type thing. And so, uh, what? again, to go from stranger to acquaintance, you, do, you fill out the block. But then from, to go from acquaintance to a relationship, within a year's time, you have a block party. You just invite everybody to your house, or you meet some of the neighbors, and maybe they want to host it. You just help them organize it, you know, have a party. And you all get together, and you, you, you don't call it a church party. You know, it's none of that. You're getting to know your neighbors. And so, Gavin, you chime in there. No, it's just putting meat on the bones yeah. of uh, love thy neighbor as thyself and gives you very practical tips and, and a strategy for meeting your neighbors. Um, and you, you, don't, you don't have to take every detail that they no. give you, but they certainly give you a start right. on the process. And I think I shared with you that just uh, whenever you have an opportunity, we, I just happened to get a package that wasn't, it was the wrong, delivered to the wrong house. I got a chance to go meet the, na- the one neighbor. I just realized that I knew most of my neighbors, but this one I'd lived across the street from them for 15 years now, and I've never met them. <laughs> there you go. So I went there across and said, hey, is this your package? It wasn't, but still got to meet him. There you go. And God will do that. God will create opportunities, maybe issues, where you're going to get to know your neighbors. And, and I think as long as you are willing to work through those issues in an amicable way, it's going to be fine, you know. Uh, I, I think that the devil, of course, tries to put every th- block in front of us that we can. And I, I think I mentioned this, you know, years and years ago. The guy even said, well, we don't want those folks coming to church. Well, y- y- yeah, we do. <laughs> we, we really do. And, and so if we're already looking like that at our neighbors, there's a real issue there. We're limiting God. I yeah, think. no I think doubt. We're putting God in a box when we say, well, God's just not going to, they're never going to benefit from hearing the gospel or God's not working in their life. God's working in everybody's life. So one of the statements that uh, one of the authors, there's two authors of this book, he says the first step to taking the great commandment literally is to move from stranger to acquaintance in your relationship with those who live nearest to you. And uh, he kind of the thrust of the book is that we've taken that parable of the Good Samaritan and rightly deducted to the lawyer's question, well, who's my neighbor? Well, Jesus basically uses that to explain anybody that is in front of you or anybody that's trying to help you is your neighbor. But then they also say, but we can't lose the reality that our neighbor is our neighbor too. (laughs) Because if we're not careful when we say, well, anybody and everybody is our neighbor, that becomes nebulous, and there is no name to that person. And before you know it, eh, yeah, everybody's my neighbor, but really nobody is. So if you realize that, okay, yes, everybody's my neighbor in that if I see an opportunity and a need or I'm in a need and, and have an opportunity for someone else to serve me, I need to see them as my neighbor. But certainly the guy that lives right next door is my neighbor, and I need to love him. Jesus made it easy for the lawyer. He said, just picture yourself on your back naked and beaten. Who would you want to see as your neighbor? Even a Samaritan would be your neighbor right. if that that's right. You were the if guy you're dying. with your on the back on your back in the ditch. I can't help but think of something Don said once, and I don't remember how we came across this topic, but I said something along the lines of, "I don't know. I just kind of like to keep to myself." And she said, "That's because that's easy." Mm. 
Oh, wow. And so I was like, ooh. See what I had to live sure with? Sure enough. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, and so when I think about this, you know, it's a little bit of work to put yourself out there. It, it Especially is. if you don't have this, like, super outgoing personality right. or your schedule is filled up from top to bottom or there's going to be, I feel like, a pile of excuses. And it's always going to be number 11 on the top 10 list until you just move it into the top 10 list and just right. make it a priority to... I'm going to do something neighborly. I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to put myself out there. Um, and I think Satan will work on you in that, too. Like, you know, they're probably not going to like you. Or, mm -hmm. you know, they probably don't want you to come over. This is probably a bad the time. Yeah. There's always going to be that kind of attack, and you've just got to, I think. That'll be the day the toilet paper stuck to the bottom of your shoe when you're walking out of the bathroom. And that'll, that'll be the day. I had that happen Put to me at Washington up. Pool, but that is another story. <laughs> well, so you, you just said the key thing there about being interruptible. You know, my, my day's chalked full. And, all you know, we're Americans. We're, we're going to do that as a general rule. We're, we're going to fill up our day with stuff. And I don't know that there's anything wrong with that unless we're not willing to be interrupted. If you're not willing to be interrupted, then you need to build some time for the gospel. You need to build some time for the Great Commission. If you're okay with being interrupted... Yeah, can I step on toes just a yeah, smidge here, um, my own included? If anybody has a smartphone and you look up what your screen time is each day and you get the stark reality of how much time you've spent staring at your phone, you might find time to walk over to your yeah. neighbors built yeah, into that Ouch. screen time somewhere. So Had nobody, go key, there, didn't nobody key my car afterwards, just <laughs> dying that out there. If you do, it's a white Dodge, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, see there, I, I knew that wouldn't take long. Ten minutes. All right. So, did you have another, I'm just saying? I, or I do. We, okay. Uh, and, and so, I'm, you know what? I, I've got one. I've got something that I want to show, but if I don't get to do the mystery topic, then I'm going to be uh, in trouble. But anyway, my I'm just saying is, um, it, well, to go along with what we just said, if you don't plan your day, someone else will. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a fine line between, you know, planning your day and, and being willing to be interrupted and not planning your day. And before you know it, it's, you're just chasing one fire to the next. Run one your day or your next. day runs you. That's right. I heard that on Boss Baby. If you haven't there seen you that go. cartoon, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's also the famous line, cookies are for closers. So you should see Boss Baby and <laughs> get all those references. Um, so tonight we have a mystery topic. We haven't done this yet this year. So mystery topic is Did you where... Did I'm just saying? I Oh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry Ryan. Yeah. Let's like hear a, your... I think whatever. Mine yeah, either. roll with it. I'm no, I was just... Uh, I'm just saying that if you're on time, you're late. Oh. <laughs> I felt like that. I showed up right on time, but the whole time, I felt like the rabbit on Alice in Wonderland. I'm late, I'm late, everybody's late. <laughs> My band teacher used to say that all the time. If you're on time, you're late. The swaffers. I'm usually just late. So late, late. Like. Yeah. As a procrastinator, I can tell you that's baloney. It is total baloney. If you show down. up within 30 <laughs> minutes, you're good. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, the, but, yes, I, I do. That is why I appreciate, you know, for 20 years I lived literally 100 yards from the church. I, I appreciated that because I am. I, I'm a procrastinator. And if I'm not careful, I'm late. But, but you, you know, and, and not you, Ryan, because you're hardly ever late. But uh, th that is something I've had to work on, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had three kids in band. 
So this, I, I knew I, that. I could do a whole seg a segment on Paul Swafford's sayings. I really, really could. I took most of them to heart, too. I mean, he had yeah, some good stuff. Yeah, it, and it will, it, it, you know, let's face it. If you are on time, that tells people you care about me, you know, type thing. Yeah. Uh, right. So we know how you so feel about us, We know how Ryan right? feels about <laughs> us. Yep. That's, that's what I heard. Messing, messing. All right. So you, get, uh, you know, sometimes you're just impressed with a business model or somebody's tagline or somebody's mm -hmm. uh, approach to things. I was so impressed with Chick-fil-A's business model when we were in Cincinnati and were, there was and cars awesome wrapped around nuggets, the building. Nonetheless. And the food was good. The service was incredible. So much well, better than I, Cane's. I got a couple of uh, advertisements this week, and I just thought, man, that's just awesome branding. As an old guy struggling with cold feet and cold hands no all the doubt. time now, it's called Refrigerware. <laughs> that's, that's genius. Refrigerware. Refrigerware. It's, it's got to be hundreds of dollars. I get these kind of magazines. John gets a lot of hunting magazines. And I think what we should have gone into is inventing some kind of just brand, no random doubt. brand, and started saying, this is the best hunting brand on the planet. Refrigerware. Does it come in camo? 20% off on that that uh, catalog there. So. Does it come in camo? I don't know. I, I did, obviously, you just broke the seal on it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't know well, they're, to, you know, like help, skiers. Help yourself, so. by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> If nobody has a gift There's for, a bill in here. for Christmas, then... <laughs> Last-minute Christmas shopping for Ben right here. Get yes. your, oh, get yeah, your refrigerator see, magazine. I, old guys, we sit in the tree stander outside and freeze to death. That, that grabbed my attention. Reminds me of that meme where the guy's walking down the aisle of refrigerators. He just walks up and says, I love refrigerators. <laughs> that was his advertisement. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Some socks I need. Like All right. There you go. Thank you for that. Uh, You're welcome. I'm going to send you something, Brad. I'm going to try anyway. So, so does this mean we can move yeah, on to mystery yeah, I'm topic? I'm sorry, Terry. Let's okay. go to the mystery topic. So back to the mystery topic. All four panelists bring a mystery topic. None of us knows what the topic is. We pick randomly one of the topics, and we have to discuss it on the fly. I really, really hope I get picked. But we'll pretend Ryan's one, Gavin's two, you're three, and I'm four. Okay. So I'm going to do what we do at home. Siri, pick a number between one and four. Oh, Siri, don't fail me now. Oh, wrong button. Siri, pick a number between one and four. The answer is two. Dang, I lost. Gavin, mean? it's you. Okay. <laughs> Siri's got an English accent now? Oh, yeah. I like, um, it's like New Zealand Siri. <laughs> 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 I like the accent. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, so my, my uh, mystery topic is reading list. So how do you cultivate your reading list? Do you discipline yourself on proportions? Like you have a section that's rec for recreation, relaxing, spiritual, hmm. secular, political, hobby. I always Wh have a list of flavor? books I want to read to which I don't ever really get around to reading, but I want to. I have a reading list with just good intentions is what I would call that. <laughs> I take it a step further and I actually buy the book. It's just so easy. Yeah. You go on Amazon. Somebody mentions a book on a radio program. Oh, I got to get that. Oh, yeah. Thriftbooks.com. You can get books for like two, three dollars. Right. I have all those books, not read. Right. But and I have them. If things, you know, if it hits the fan, uh, I've got enough books to make a hut to live in. So <laughs> Perfect. Be very well insulated. Well, so if we can, because I love that. And I don't know that I have an answer to that as far I, no, I do not have a list, okay? I, I'm, I'm more the impulse buyer. CBD is, like, bad. 
And so I go through CBD. CBD? CBD. Christian book distributors. Get okay. your mind out of the marijuana gutter. Christian book distributors. It really helps me relax while I'm reading. I so, mean, I was, <laughs> it helps me relax while I read. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, we the just lost the whole. Recreational list there. It's the recreational <laughs> list. It's medicinal. This is going to have to go in the covenant. But anyway. So, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Christian book distributors. And they had it first, folks. Uh, so, I, I f- <laughs> go through there. And uh, any book on pastoring, any book on, you know, uh, a current issue and say, Tears of you still just busted a gut. <laughs> well, I was sitting here thinking, like, does he know? Does he know? <laughs> no, no I, I didn't. I was totally clueless. Um, so, anyway... Uh, I am hungry, though. But uh, <laughs> no, no, no relation. Just a coincidence. Yeah, no really. Just a coincidence. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, I, I'm such. Uh, what would the word be? A novice on this. You know, I always I've had people because uh, deacons usually. You smell that? <laughs> no, that's marijuana. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> so anyway, um, but we're happy uh, to help. Yeah, right. right no doubt. Uh, I don't have a list. I don't don't have an approach. So what is your pr- approach? Mine is just that. It, it's if I hear a book in a discussion or on a radio program or on a television uh, show, and when I'm reading a book, sometimes I'll have a, a book that's re- re- referred to in that book. I just go to Amazon and buy it. I, and so I've got stacks of books in my house. That you haven't I, read. That, that I haven't read, but there will not all of them, but there'll be times when I think, oh, I, I want, I'm interested in that topic. And you I'll get, grab you've the got book it. and yeah. start reading. It, it does lead to a lot of unfinished books. Sure. But I get the meat of it. And yeah. then, and then and uh, was it Eugene Bowerman said if I can get one, one sentence that I use in a sermon or in counseling, if I spend $20 on the book, it's well it's worth it. it. He told us that going turkey hunting one time. And I never have forgotten that. And... and you know, so for you, and it sounds like for me and possibly you too, Tara, it's more of a resource. In other words, you're not buying the book for leisure. You're not buying the book. Even though you enjoy it, yeah. you're getting it for the resource, right? Or do you have some books that are just strictly, you know, novels and things no, like that? I, I, don't mean, do, I, don't, I don't have any recreational do reading. Yeah. Or recreational CBD. Right. I have neither. But <laughs> I was going to just, just say... Record. As a surprise, as I, this is how I can tell I'm getting old. My mom, they have a library at their church, and she reads the Christian novels. Yeah. And they're quasi-romance novels, and I've made fun of her secretly for years until I read one of them, and I'm like, oh, darn, this was actually a good book. Good. Mom, do you have another one? And so now my mom does feed me yeah. books from her, mm, yeah. you know, like shared library at church, and they're just like cute little. Right. Re- and I get made fun of because my friends at work don't read, you know, that's silly a you know cheesy christian romance novel but it's better than other forms of no doubt. romance novels i guess out there um so i'll own that like i have in recent years just read a book my sister said you need to start reading and chill yourself out like you you need to there escape you, you need to read like an escape of some mm-hmm. form and so then i read my first book and i'm like wow these are good, these man. are all right these authors are really I, coming up with some plots it here it's been probably i want to say probably 20 years no, not quite 20 years since I had read a recreational book. So, same. That's what had happened. If I read a book, it was a self, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of 
improvement book or to learn like gain knowledge yeah. it wasn't for fun it yeah. was just you know something i history was a big yeah and she said you need to read apologetics. a book that's not quote a self-help book and they weren't all self-help books but i got what she was saying uh, yeah. read something that's fun D do you think movies have had an impact on that mm. because most folks if they see the movie they don't really go ahead and read the book whereas if they read the Until book first recently, i would have said the same thing yeah but, but i just bought the Lord of the Rings series, yeah, on, the books on tape. So I'm listening to them. Oh, gotcha. Going to and from work. Isn't it so awesome? Got, yes, it is. It is incredibly well written, and much more imaginative than the movies were. Do they have the New Zealand accent like Siri? <laughs> In my head, yes. <laughs> Frodo. Uh, so Ryan, let's hear your approach to this. Do you have a list? Uh, no, it's more whatever piques my interest at the time. Kind of right. like Gavin. Like if I'm listening to a podcast or something, and they are fleshing out a thought and I think really I had I don't know anything about mm -hmm. that then I'll try to find a book on it because you know right. I, I want to know what's going on yeah. and even my semi-recreational reading which is not very often because I'm we'll not just a, call that your CBD reading yes semi-CBD what are we talking about I'm not motivated that's frighteningly accurate yeah. there Y'all keep this up, and I'm going to require us to do an entire segment talking like Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I'll, I'll start, like, uh, the last, I guess you could call it recreational one that I read was uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Huh. But that was just because I want to I, I want to know stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, the old classic books and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. I'll read those. But that's about the extent of me reading for fun, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, it used to aggravate me that my brother read so much. I, it, it just made me mad. It just did, and and I, I was wrong, obviously, and I've got no really re – I, I guess it made me feel dumb because I didn't have that desire to read, but yet he did, and he was a so much better speller than I was and, and all those things. Well, you know, I, this may be a newsflash, but when you pastor, <laughs> if you don't read, you become stale in a hurry. And so I discovered the joy of reading. I discovered the necessity of reading. And believe it or not, I became a little better speller. Um, and, and, you know, even though you can hurt yourself as a pastor if you are always talking above someone's head, so you don't want to do that. But it is a compliment when someone comes to you and says, okay, you got to quit using those $15 words, you know. And, and uh, because that, that lets you know, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm – Stretching. I'm getting it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it, and I'm stretching them. And um, so, I, and, and that's when the whole 1828 Webster thing came into play. Yeah, so I was reading, you mentioned the movie thing, and the Little Women, they remade Little Women. And right. so I thought, man, I never yeah, read that. I never that. read that book. So I went back and read it, and I was like, I don't know what that word even is. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> I was so, I, it made me feel stupid. But uh, it was interesting after I read it, like, oh, the movie didn't do it justice at mm -hmm. all. But anyway. Well, so uh, it's a pretty familiar story to Bethel, but when uh, the Lord of the Rings first came out, of course, my brother had already read all of them, The Hobbit and all that, and he told me, you got to read it, you got to read it. I'm not reading them, Tony. I'm not reading them. And I just figured it was dumb, hmm. you know. Well, I went to the first movie, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. And literally, we were up for an hour, like at 11 o'clock, hmm. poor Dawn, trying to sleep, going to work the next day. And we're talking, okay, so, so how is Frodo the Christ figure? You know, and so, so how, you know, who's Elrond? How does that fit in? And all this stuff. And he's like, Ben, read the books. Yeah, yeah. I'm not reading the books, Tony. Ben, read the books. And so, like, six months later, Tony dies. 
Well, that just launched me into Lord of the Rings. So I got the books. I could not read the first one because I'd already watched the movie. I, I just couldn't stay with it. But the second and the third there's, one, I couldn't read fast enough. There's so much material that's yeah. not in yeah. the first it was movie, though. Fascinating. That there's so much of the, in the book that's not in the movie that I was shocked. Oh, there's no doubt. I yeah. Was well, it would have been a five-hour movie instead mm-hmm. of a three-hour movie. Each one of them. And uh, the fascinating thing about that whole si- J.R. Tolkien was an absolute devoted Christian. And uh, what's that guy's name? He, It'll come to his, me. Uh, Francis, Francis Schaeffer? No. Uh, no. Um, he, he wrote the book Mere Christianity. And he did the... Uh, uh, Narnia. Narnia's C.S. Yeah. Lewis. Yeah. C.S. Oh, Lewis. I, that's what I was thinking. Is, are you trying to say C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis <laughs> and J.R. Tolkien were contemporaries. It's the CBD. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the CBD. <laughs> sorry. What was his name? Too much Christian book distributor. Uh, that will become code word. <laughs> I went to the Christian book distributor today. <laughs> I'm still Below having... the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I'm still having flashbacks from the... <laughs> Uh, the, the dispenser, I mean distributor. I'm still having flashbacks to when you sent that text about you're trying to say our Awana program and it auto-corrected to our marijuana program. <laughs> <laughs> now it it's all, a theme. It all makes sense it, now. It's a theme. I was going to look up something and I'm just totally blown. Uh, let me know if you got it ready, Brad. We're, we're going to, if he gets it ready, we're going to. I've actually shown this one time before, but I, I'm just so impressed with this. This is an I'm just saying. Hmm. That looks oddly like the women's bathroom downstairs. It, it is. Whenever you're ready, just hit it. Turn it up. It's kind of disturbing that so you're we're on the, the women's bathroom. Yeah, I know. It's the door closure. Just I will saying. say that's my favorite door in this entire place. It has to be every bit of the original door. Yeah, it's 100 it, plus. At least. Likely. The door closure is too. <laughs> it's 100 plus. And so for, for literally months if not a year or two when i would go around sunday morning and turn everything off shirley would always have it propped open to let the floor you know dry from her mopping it and such so i would take the thing out and when i would take the doorstop out it would do this that you'll hear here in just a moment i resent it to you with the sound unmuted we'll see if that does it and i can play it on the phone and you'll hear it but yeah it it is the most amazing, scary movie sound. You know, if you can put yourself in that haunted house. It's a little scary down there anyway. Yeah, yeah. it is. And the first time it happened, because it started a little late, you know, so I had already walked off, and I hear this. <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on. And I came back and just watched it, and I opened it up and shut it again, you know. <laughs> oh, that is the coolest thing. And so I finally recorded it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to sell this someday to a Halloween yeah, movie. Yeah. And just hope. imagine with a little CB. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the downstairs. This is upstairs. Seems like a cow giving birth. It just goes on. goes on forever. And this is the best part, when it goes almost silent. And then it comes back. <laughs> and then it goes silent again. And now wait for it. <laughs> just when you think 
it's done. Oh, finally it's done. I can just see the person ah, screaming and running. We should have saved, be... saved that one for Halloween. Yeah, amen. You going to be here when John gets here? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, right. that took a turn. Um, so next week, we do not have any Awana or Bethel Radio Hour for the Correct. Thanksgiving weekend. So, um, and then and I think the following week is uh, Awana Cutout, Grand, so, Grand Prix Cutout. All right. So um, stay in Bethel cutout? in the know. We'll have the rest of the information. But for next week, we will for sure not have regular Bethel Radio Hour and likely be doing car cutout the, the following. following. So well, let's do Tara's uh, mystery topic. She's excited about her mystery topic, so... Oh, my mystery topic, it was Thanksgiving-themed. So I should have oh. just said, you all lose. <laughs> I win. Siri, pick a number between oh. one and one. One and, and one, yeah. <laughs> I'll all save right. it for next year. All right. Good deal. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody.